0: so much stronger
1: morning, everybody. How are y'all? Doing well? Is that good and loud? <laughs> All right. Well, welcome. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family Fellowship. We'd like to welcome you here. If you're a guest visiting with us, there should be a card right in front of you. In the pew in front of you that says communication card, we'd love to have a record of you being with us this week and be able to reach out to you this week and pray for you and see See if there's anything we can do for you, so if you would, just grab that, fill that out, and drop that into one of the baskets on your way out as you're offering this morning. We'd love to have that opportunity uh, this week, so just want to encourage you there. We have been memorizing Scripture, so last month we memorized uh, chapter 19, verse 1 of Psalms, and we are moving this morning to Romans 3 and looking at a different uh, passage of Scripture uh, from the New Testament, and so if you would, as uh, we did last month, let's just read these verses, we'll read them twice, so we'll read them, follow, follow along, and then we'll go right into again, okay? Y'all good? All right, let's do it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus Romans 3:23 through 24 All right? Let's do it again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus Romans 3:23 through 24 So We'll, we'll return next week to it and go over it again and talk uh, about one of the verses and kind of break it down over the next few weeks. And uh, so encourage you through the week, read it again, read it again, repetition, just think about it. Meditate on the words of what it means, asking the Lord to reveal it to you. It's his word. He inspired it to be written and he has protected it for generations so that it has come to you and to me. And so ask him, ask him, what does this mean? What do these words mean? Why Why have you br- delivered these two to me? And uh, he'll reveal it. He'll open your eyes. So I encourage you, spend some time, think about it, and use the next several weeks to uh, to write it on the tablet of your heart. All right? So we will uh, we'll pray in just a second. I want to make you aware of two other opportunities. Uh, there is an opportunity over this month to... Uh, be involved in the Foster Together Gulf Coast um, closet that we have on the back of our campus. Uh, Jennifer Walker and Daisy McVeigh have been heading that up. And if you would like to serve through the week <clears throat> or another time to help them with getting, uh, getting things across the bay to people who have, who have needs of what's been collected, sorting different things like that, let them know. And there's also another opportunity towards, in a few weeks, uh, that'll be happening up here in support of that ministry and in support of uh, those families that uh, there's there's need. There's need to to serve and to help. It's a Thursday and Friday, and you can go talk to them. I think they will be around at the end of service if you want to uh, grab them and ask what what's, what's the deals, what are the details, and what's the need, and they'll... They'll give you some more info. So we'll talk about it a little little more in depth as we get closer, but want to encourage you. It's a place for you to serve, a place for you to be involved. Also, Christmas is coming. And so along with Christmas, what we tend to do is in support of um, Operation Christmas Child, of of collecting boxes of gifts that will then be sent throughout the world, uh, that is a tool for evangelism. It's a tool for the gospel. It's not just giving things, but it opens doors for local churches across the globe to go into communities and to have an opportunity to share Jesus. And so um, I hope you see it that way. I want to encourage you that is an opportunity. There are boxes in the back of the room you're welcome to grab on your way out. And uh, again, we'll talk about that more, and we'll have a day, a Sunday in November, where we collect them together. We pray over them here on Sunday morning. And then they'll be, they'll be sent to a distribution site that following week. So I would encourage you, if that is a direction the Lord would lead you to support and uh, to be involved in, to grab a box on your way out. There's also another way to support uh, the Southern Baptist uh, Send Relief entity that, that seeks to do basically the same thing, just in a little different fashion. Uh, there should be guides in the back that have various gift options there if you would like to go that route. Uh, but two, two very good options for you to involve, involve the international community getting the gospel to the world, uh, especially during Christmas as it is about Jesus. And he came into the world, into a world of darkness, to save all who would believe no matter where, but all. And so it's easy to get distracted in Christmas and to forget how all of the world Jesus came for. And so it's a good good way to remind ourselves of that. All right, let's pray and then we will continue in worship father god i thank you lord thank you for this morning thank you for these opportunities uh, to get involved in what you're doing uh, lord to get involved in various ministries in the community and other arms that are reaching out into the world lord uh help us lord to seek you in them to seek what you would have us to do uh, lord it doesn't it doesn't you own it all you own the cattle on a thousand hills you own the hills you own everything and so it's not a matter of the quantity of what we can give but it's a matter of whether we give from a heart that depends and trusts on you recognizing that you have given everything we have and that you've entrusted it to us as stewards and so father help us lord to be good stewards of what you've given us and to walk forward in faith lord to share what, what you've given us, Lord. So God, direct us. Direct us for what you would have us to do through Operation Christmas Child and through Sin Relief and, uh, Lord, also through the Foster and Adopt Together uh, Closet, Lord. Would you provide for those ministries? Provide uh, in, in each of our support there, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for your grace as we are memorizing Romans 3. All have fallen short. All We all have sinned. Yet, you have provided. Your Son came. You, Lord Jesus, came and took our place on the cross. Thank you, God, for your grace. And Lord, I ask you, God, that you would you would be exalted this morning. You would be elevated and raised up. And that we all would be drawn, Lord, to gaze upon you, Lord Jesus. That our lives would be prostrate before you this morning. So speak to us, Lord. Draw us, God, to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship this song.
2: Welcome, be
3: Thank you. Well, good morning to you. And I uh, want to welcome you that have joined us online this morning as we are uh, talking about the Church of Christ uh, over these next uh, few weeks. And uh, today, uh, we're going to be talking about. How we had, uh, we have an awesome worship leader. Where'd he go? Right up there. We have an awesome uh, church family, right? Awesome preacher, Uh, awesome deacons, and awesome elders, and awesome piano player, and awesome worship team, and well, I'm talking about uh, an awesome church this morning, okay? And the reason why it can be awesome and should be awesome and ought to be awesome is because we have an awesome God, amen? And uh, we'll, we'll talk about why, what I mean by that this morning. So I really do want you to be able to tell your friends, uh, man, I go to an awesome church, uh, and, uh, and 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 don't you know and that's what I want to say so don't make me lie so listen to the sermon make sure you're doing what the scripture says you need to do to be an awesome body of believers okay and so if you have your bibles let me invite you to turn to the book of acts chapter 2 and it's a very familiar passage of scripture if you've been in church Any time, I preached on this uh, maybe four years ago. Uh, I couldn't find my notes, so everything is brand new. Uh, It's good that I couldn't find my notes, I'm sure. Uh, But I want to preach on the text from uh, verses 42 through 47. It's at the beginning of the church at Pentecost. Uh, Peter has just preached Christ has risen from the dead, been ascended into heaven, has empowered his church, and let's see what makes them an awesome church. And as I read it, uh, if uh, uh, kids, if you would uh, listen for that word awe in there and help your mom and dad to recognize it, if you would. So uh, just give them an elbow when we get to it and uh, say, hey, did did you catch that word awe? Beginning in verse 42, and they, the disciples, and they, the new believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe. Elbow. Come on, I didn't see any elbows. Okay, elbow. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Again, would you join me in prayer that uh, we would indeed be a people who have a correct view of who God is and do what God instructs us to do. So, Father... Uh, this word awe is, um, is a word that uh, is really a cultural word in the sense that uh, the word in the text is really fear. Uh, you teach us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, you teach us that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And all through the Old Testament, you've given us one story after another after another that indeed you are an awesome God and you are greatly to be feared because you are not like us and we thank you. We are sinful and broken people and we have a God who is holy and righteous and just He is the same, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's not any shadow of turning with you. And that, Lord, you love us with a loving kindness that is a committed love. That loves us not because of, but in spite of. But that love is based on the character of who you are and what you have done in your Son, Jesus Christ. And you love us because Christ has birthed us, who have been born again of the Spirit of God, and we have become your children. And so it is Christ in us that causes this everlasting love to be upon us. Lord, we ask that you would do a work of grace in our hearts today, that truly we are this kind of church, a church that knows how to fear the Lord and how to follow you in obedience to the instructions that you have given to us from the example that you give to us in this, your early church. And then, Father, that you would scatter us in a few moments, that we would go out of this building, a church on mission, with the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and be unashamed, and that, Lord, when we, we are fearful of the world, grant to us boldness, we pray, by the Holy Spirit, and we ask this for your glory and for your sake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It really is, uh, would be a great thing to be able to say we're awesome. We, we, we are, we're we an awesome church. And I want us to look at an awesome church this morning. And it is the early church, the church in the New Testament here in, in the book of Acts chapter 2. And I want to pull out several things. It's, it's not all the things that uh, a church who... Fears the Lord uh, does and exemplifies, but I want to pull out the ones that are in this particular text, and uh, you're going to have to listen fast because there's six of them, and uh, so uh, speed up your uh, hearing aid, if you would, because the first thing that is here I want you to see is that they met daily, an awesome church in this day met daily, and I'm gonna say it's really hard in our day to meet daily, so I'm gonna put the word regularly there. Because I, I do look through the rest of the New Testament and see where the church as it's scattered out of Jerusalem, which had a very religious context to its culture, and and the church at Antioch or the church at Athens or the Church in Rome or the Church at Ephesus, uh, they struggled and could not follow the, the the prime example of this early church, but they met regularly. And uh, I want you to see that about the church. The church that is in fear of the Lord, who follows the Lord, who knows that Christ is the head and we're the body, is a church that meets regularly. And uh, if you'll look there again at the text, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching Uh, I want to pick up on that word devoted because it's a it's a special word Uh, in in the language of the New Testament it is also used in the Old Testament as well to translate translate a Hebrew word and uh, you and I when we talk about marriage we know that the Bible says that a man is to leave his father and mother and to Thank you, I heard somebody say it, cling unto his wife, and they two shall become one flesh. And I can remember my pastor uh, that I had as a teenager saying, and that word means to stick together like glue. All right. Well, that's kind of the, that, that word here is used also in that Old Testament passage. And it really has the idea uh, of what a, a lichen is. How many of you know what a lichen is. Anybody willing to? Yeah, you know that, that green stuff that grows on, not moss, but the green stuff that kind of grows on rocks and trees and, and stuff and it's curly and, and uh, it's, uh, it, it's classified uh, as a fungus, but it's really not a fungus. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's too two. Uh, living organisms that are in a symbiotic relationship with one another. You didn't even know I could say that word, did you? I'm not sure what it means, but uh, no, actually what it means is that one is dependent on the other and the reality in a lichen is, is that the fungus is the primary uh, partner in this relationship and algae and so the the algae is dependent on the fungus it is the greater I said, why would you even say this why are we having a lesson in biology this morning because it really gives us a picture of what the church is. Christ is the head we are the body we are in relationship with him and we are dependent upon him for our life now we are his hands and his feet We are His heart to the world. Uh, We are to show the love of Christ and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. Uh, That is what we are called to do and that's what this word here devoted really means. They were devoted to Christ and in being devoted to Christ, being attached to to Christ, and dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ, they were devoted to uh, the apostles' teaching fellowship, and breaking of bread um, it 's interesting if you uh, look at the New Living translation, and you probably uh, most of you probably don 't have a copy of that. Uh, let, me, let me read it for you. It says, and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, sharing in meals. And it puts in parentheses, including the Lord's Supper, and we're going to get to that in just a minute, and to prayer. And so what, what we see is this uh, correlation between fruitfulness in the body of Christ and the frequency in which the church meets together. I'm going to say that again. We see in the New Testament the fruitfulness of the body of Christ uh, as it uh, relates to the frequency of the church meeting together. In other words, if, if the people aren't regular at church, uh, we rarely see great fruit. But if we see people who are in such a relationship with Christ that they understand that we're the body of Christ and we come and we gather together around the body of Christ, uh, we're going to see that fruitfulness is a byproduct of that that's actually going to be a, a point number six by the way in case i don't get to it uh, <laughs> but uh I, I want you to see they they did this acts chapter five and verse 42 says and, and i didn't put a lot of scripture on the uh, screen this morning i want you to use your bibles and your brains okay Uh, Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, and it says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So what they did, it it was their habit to go to the temple every day, and as that New Testament church in Jerusalem, they got together, how often? Every single day. And there was great fruit that came out of that. Now, we can fall into the trap of meeting for the sake of meeting. And I, I tell you what, if, if you've been in church any time, if you've been in church more than 10 years, you've seen this. You've seen us gathered together and say, well, I don't really know why we're meeting, but we're supposed to meet. And so therefore we're going to be there. And God is not calling us To meet just to be there. And that's what this whole text is about. When we do meet, what do we do? So secondly, I want you to see that they met purposefully. They met purposefully. There are four things that they did in particular that the scripture draws out. Now this isn't all that they did. But these are four primary things that the early church did on a regular basis, that made them to be this awesome kind of church. And and what are they? Number one, it was the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. What did the apostles teach? Well, I thought about reading the Apostles' Creed for you this morning, except uh, of which I am in full agreement, except I have to explain a couple of things to you, as we've done before. Because some of us kind of, we, we kind of get off when it says Christ descended into hell. And that's not what the original text says. Uh, so I'd, I'd have to explain that. Christ did not go to hell and suffer in hell for our sin. When Christ died on the cross, what was the last thing he said? It is finished. Where was, where was the punishment for our sin paid for? On the cross, not in hell so so the word literally means that Christ came down below I believe it's talking about the incarnation of Christ and so I I I didn't wanna have to explain that even though I am explaining it to you I might as well go ahead and explain the other part that most of us find difficult and that is he calls us the one Catholic Church Uh, and so as soon as I say that if you're a Baptist and I say Catholic Church Boy, I mean, you break out in hives in a hurry. And uh, I I think I've shared this with you before. It was a couple of years ago I was sharing with someone who's Roman Catholic. uh, And I I said to them, you do know that I'm a Catholic pastor, right? And they said, no, you're not Catholic. You're Baptist. And I said, yeah, but I am Catholic. And they said, well, there's no way you can be Catholic and Baptist at the same time. And I said, well, obviously, as a Catholic, you don't know what Catholic means. And I dare say most of us don't know what Catholic means. It literally means universal. I'm going to say that again. Because I don't think it sinks into your brains. It means universal. Which, by the way, becomes a wonderful witnessing opportunity for you to share the gospel with a Catholic. I mean, it's a glorious opportunity it means there is a visible presence of Christ in his church around the world it's the it's the church of Jesus Christ and so the particular name denomination that you might put on it all born again blood bought uh, believers in Jesus Christ are part of his church so they, they taught something. What did they teach? They actually taught the Scripture. They taught the Scripture. You, you know that in 2 Timothy 1.13, it says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. He's talking to young Timothy as a pastor, and he's saying, I have given you these particular words, these sound words. What were they? They were the Scripture How do you know that? He said, verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within you or within us, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Well, how do I know for sure that's what he's talking about? Uh, in In chapter 3 and verse 16, he says, and all Scripture is breathed by God, and it is profitable for for teaching. And so how do we know what they taught? They taught the scripture because that's what the Bible teaches us. Jude, as he was writing, he was concerned that the church was moving away from its its correct teaching, its correct doctrine. And he said, I'm writing to you about our common salvation... And I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to contend for the faith, not a faith. He puts the definite article in there. And what faith is that? It's the one that was once delivered to the saints. What is it? All Scripture that was God-breathed. Peter addresses it in Second Peter chapter 1, and he says, No prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. You see, the Scripture, according to the Scripture, is not man talking about God. It is God revealing Himself through men who were moved by the Holy Spirit, verse 21 of Second Peter 1, who were literally carried along by the Spirit. They were moved or carried along by the Spirit to write the Scriptures. I don't know how many times we'll have visitors who will come and visit Faith Family and, and uh, they'll say, well, we, we, we've been to 10 churches in the area. And uh, I just want to say this, most churches, their pastors are not preaching the Scripture. I, I, that breaks my heart to hear that. If you're not, uh, I, I saw a quote from a, another pastor the other day that said, if you're not Preaching the Scripture, then you should resign. Amen. I think that's absolutely true. If if the Scripture is not being taught, because that is at the core of what it is to be a an awesome a church who fears God, a church who really knows why they exist around the teaching of the Scripture. But then it says the fellowship. It's interesting, each one of these four, notice if the English Standard Version correctly puts the definite article in front of them. It doesn't say fellowship, it says the fellowship. That's an interesting concept. Because we can fellowship around a lot of things. You know, I'm glad I don't have to say this here at our church. But I I have been in some other places that when people gather together on Sunday morning, they start talking about football during football season. You know, that's not fellowshipping. Well, it is fellowshipping in the sense of the world, but it's not the fellowship. You see, when we gather together as the people of God, our conversation ought to be about one thing and one thing alone. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't say, well, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh, what did you do lately? How are the kids doing? Those kind of things. We need, we need to encourage one another. We need to know where each other is. But there's a whole lot that goes on in this world that doesn't belong in church. An awesome church knows that we are here for the fellowship and our fellowship, our koinonia, our partnership, our our commonness is in Christ Jesus. So it, it's it's the fellowship, not fellowshipping with one another. First John one nine, uh, John the beloved apostle, as he's writing. Uh, to the churches he says the things that we have seen and heard we proclaim unto you so that you may have fellowship with us and it's clear that he's talking about Christ and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ so that that awesome church is around the teaching and preaching of the word of God it's around Fellowshipping in Jesus Christ with one another." and we'll explain this a, a little bit more later. But thirdly, he says, "The breaking of bread." Now, what does that mean? Because um, I had a cousin that he was always saying, "Why, don't you come over and let's break bread together." And I knew exactly what he meant by breaking bread together. He meant what? Eating together. Let, let's break bread together. Is, is that what is meant here in the text of Scripture? The, the breaking of bread being the fellowship uh, around a mealtime together. Well, it could also mean the Lord's Supper. Another term that we have for the Lord's Supper is communion. And communion is just another word for fellowship, by the way. Okay, having in common communion. And so the question is, is he talking about having a meal together or is he talking about having the Lord's Supper together? And you know what the answer is? Yes. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) The answer is both. The answer is the church knew what it was like to get together. And when they got, got together, they oftentimes did have a meal together. It was oftentimes when the church was gathered, and as we'll see, it was at times when they were going from house to house. They met in each other's homes. We're not talking about home church in the sense of the house church movement that we're talking about, but we're talking about they met together in homes. And in the early church, when they met together in homes, you know what? They almost always, if not always, did at the end of their meal. Is they had the Lord's Supper together. Well, I thought you had to have a preacher there to do the Lord's Supper. Well, you don't have to necessarily have the preacher there, but you better have the right meaning. You better have the right awesomeness, solemnity, about what the Lord's Supper is. You better have the right teaching or doctrine around the Lord's Supper. When you do it, but that's exactly what the early church did when it gathered together. Uh, uh, Paul talks about, uh, in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, he talks about the cup of blessing we bless. We're talking about the Lord's Supper. Is it not a participation? That's our word. Is it not a fellowship in the blood of Christ? The bread we break is a participation in the body of Christ. And then again in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 and it says on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day, unless you think I preach too long, it says, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. And as the scripture goes on, you know when they had, when they finished, when the sun came up. No, I'm telling you what, you know, I tell people I got the best job in the world. I work one day a week. And then everybody complains that I work too long. Okay, you didn't get it, huh? You're always going, when's he going to quit? huh? When's he going to be finished? Well, you know, what did they do when they gathered together? They had mealtime together, but they had the Lord's Supper together. And why did they have that? Because... We exist for one purpose, and that is to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. It is coming and pointing to what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. And then, and then fourthly, uh, they gather together for, and it says, the prayer. And, and, and there is some question uh, about the Lord's Prayer. By the way, the early church regularly use the Lord's Prayer. Now I gotta say, our football team regularly used the Lord's Prayer. The baseball team I played on regularly used the Lord's Prayer. And <laughs> that's not what the scripture's talking about here. But the church was, the early church was encouraged to use the model prayer that was given to us to teach us how to pray. And they met together for that as well as praying for one another. Acts 1, 14 says, and this is before Pentecost, and these were with one accord devoting themselves, there's our same word again, to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. The early church prayed at certain times during the day, uh, it was customary in the Jewish tradition to pray in the morning, in the afternoon, and the evening. And the early church did that. And they didn't mean they just did it individually. They, they would find another believer uh, wherever they were at. And they would say, let's, hey, let's get off together and let's pray. When Paul talked about it in First Thessalonians 5.17, what did he say about prayer? Pray without ceasing. And so when we ask you guys, uh, we're going to be doing it in, in uh, 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 another week. The next Sunday night, we'll be talking about prayer groups. And we're going to say uh, once uh, Sunday, uh, one week out of the month, all the church is going to be praying together. And then the other weeks, we're going to have different prayer groups praying so that we have a group praying at all times. You know, that's, that's really not a very high bar according to the awesome Church. Because the awesome church, the people did what? They prayed daily together. They sought out each other to pray with one another. Well, now the third thing they did was they met worshipfully. Look at verse 43, and here's our word. And it says, Awe came upon every soul. Now, when we say it's awesome, we use that word. Uh, to talk about uh, a double rainbow. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, we, we, we see a, a football game that goes to the very end. It goes into overtime and double overtime and triple overtime, and our team wins. We say, that was an awesome game. Now, if our team loses, it's not awesome. If our team wins, it's awesome. Or we hear a song that is sung that, that, I mean, it just knocks the roof off of the building. We go, man, what an awesome song that was. Well, here we're talking about a a fear of God that leads to worship. Uh, Awe equals fear, but fear equals reverence. And reverence equals worship in the understanding of Scripture. Now, we talk about, we've gathered together this morning at 10.30 for worship. You know, you and I can, we can come together and we can sing songs, we can pray and we can hear the teaching of the Word of God and never even get close to worship. What worship is, is coming to the place where we give God His due worth and value in our hearts, and in our minds, in our souls, in our very being. That's, that's the intent. When we sing songs, that's the reason for the song is to give you words to help you voice and express with great passion. Uh, I pity my wife that has to sit beside me and listen to my singing. Because I, I like to sing loud. And, uh, and the reason why is, is because I, I really want it to be expressive of my worship of the Lord. But I can tell you, my worship does not begin at 10.30 on Sunday morning. Now, I, I overslept this morning. Uh, I woke up at 4.17. Okay? And uh, my worship begins at, began this morning... At 4.17, well, maybe 4.25, that was after I made my coffee. Anyway, whether or not I worship on Sunday morning has a lot to do with how my heart is when I arrive. And don't you have a problem coming to church sometimes? And you do, don't you? I mean, just admit it. Uh, Oh, I don't feel like getting up this morning oh man, all I have to do is just turn the computer on or get my tablet out or get my phone on. I I can go to, I can worship that way. And uh, worship is coming to place to realize that, oh, I am wicked and sinful and dead in my trespasses and sins apart from Christ. And the ways I departed from the Lord over this past week were because I chose to go contrary to God's will and His way. And I come with a repentant heart to turn to Christ and trust in Him alone as my only hope, my salvation, my glory, the one who cleanses me from my sin. And out of that, the fact that I have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ comes an awesome response to God. That I could sing the songs with great glory unto the Christ who is King and Lord. Why do I want to share the gospel with my friends or my neighbor or, or person X that I come in contact with? Because I know in my heart what it's like to be unsaved. To be unredeemed and to think all of life is revolving around what happens around me. And not to know that there's a kingdom that's being built by the Creator who made this world and He is our Savior who stepped out of heaven and came to be like us and bore our sins in His body on the cross of Calvary. That solicits worship. This early church understood what it was like to worship God. They knew what it was like to go through all the rituals of religion And not experience this awesomeness of a God who loved them and would save them. And make them to be His own and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Man, when you and I sing, it ought to be so worshipful. And when it's not that way, we need to take a moment. I I often do that during the song service. If you see me bow my head, it's not because... Janet's off-key, though she is some of the time. It's because I'm singing words and I think, do I really mean those words? Has that really gripped my soul? And there comes moment of surrender and yielding this to God. And an adjustment in my life to say, God, I need to repent of some things. And Lord, help me to truly repent. Because I know me. I'll be sorry for it. I'll say I'm going to repent. And I stop. And I say, well, oh God, help me. That is an awesomeness of what it is. I got to tell you, what we do here is just rehearsal for what we're going to do there. Amen. Revelation 5.14, it says, And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down, and they worshipped. Now, I'm all for... I'm I'm not great at raising my hands during worship. Okay? The Scripture does say, lift up your hands. And worship to the Lord. But you know what? At the very core of what the word worship really means, you know what it is? It's something we rarely ever do in a church service. And it means to fall flat on your face. It's to come to recognize the greatness of God in such a way that you and I feel like we can't stand before Him. Wouldn't it be an awesome worship service if all of a sudden we grasped the glory of God's great salvation. And it was like a, it, like a tidal wave of the people of God falling on their faces before God. You see, that, that's what it means to recognize God in His awesomeness. So don't mistake listening to the preaching as worship. Don't mistake the singing of songs as worship. Don't make the praying of prayers worship. Worship is... It is the heart of a sinner who has been transformed and forgiven by Jesus Christ at the awesomeness of the greatness of God's salvation. Number four. Oh, my. Our time is gone. Fourth thing, they met compassionately. They met compassionately. Uh, Verses 44 and 45 tell us when they came together, they had all things in common. They They sold things that they had to do what? To help each other out. If anyone had need, they distributed uh, what they had uh, to others. Acts chapter 6 tells us that's why we had deacons, because people were being left out of the, the care of the church. It's at the very core of what we are to do as a people of God. We take care of each other. When Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, he's, he's already said something about the gift that is going to the saints that are in need. He says about them, they gave according to their means in 2 Corinthians 8, 3. They gave according to their means and beyond their means. They were even begging Paul, take our gifts for the relief of the saints. James warns us, if, if you say to a brother or a sister who is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, go, uh, go and be filled. <laughs> he says, uh, what good is that? The early church knew what it was like to care for one another. And then fifthly, they met unitedly. They came together. Verse 46... And day by day, attending the temple together, the English Standard Version says. New American Standard puts it this way. Day by day, they were continuing with one mind. And that's the idea behind the original word here. They were unified in in their understanding. Why are we here? It was the prayer of the Lord Jesus in the 17th chapter of John. When he was praying for us, he said, Lord, make them one Even as you and I are one. We come with different agendas. We come with different ideas. And when we come with different concepts. Except when we come to the scripture. And the scripture corrects us and says. This is what you need to be thinking about. This is why you exist. This is why you are here. They had a unity of spirit and the bond of peace. And it was the product of the Holy Spirit of God having control of their hearts. It affects our relationships, our relationships in marriage. It affects our friendships. It affects work, school, and our church fellowship. And then lastly, uh, the sixth thing is they met fruitfully. They met fruitfully. Notice what it says in verse 47. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. Now this didn't stay, did it? they got persecuted later on but notice what it says next and the lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved and i want to suggest to you in that they did two things in their fruitfulness number 1 they exhorted one another they encouraged one another they gathered together and they as hebrews 10:24 says they stirred one another up they stimulated one another to love and good deeds and they, they did not neglect the coming together as some were getting in the habit of doing and they encouraged one another even more as they saw the day of the Lord coming near we're one day closer to the coming of Christ we're, we're one day closer to our, our exit amen wonder when we're going to get out of church. Oh, if Jesus would just come right now. Woo! Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, I I realize if you're young, you don't see it that way. And I understand that. There's a whole lot of living to do. But I got to tell you, in Christ Jesus, there's an exit coming. And we need to encourage one another until that happens. Why? Because we are so easily discouraged. Are we not? Encourage one another daily. And then evangelism, evangelism. Verse uh, 41, which precedes our text that we read, it says in uh, verse 41, those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Then in Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, and many of those who heard the word, not all of those who heard the word, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Now, how did they hear the Word? The church was telling the Word. They were sharing the Word. They were saying, let me tell you why. Somebody asked me the other day, said, uh, help me out a little bit with uh, how do you evangelize? I said, oh, evangelism is really a simple thought process. It is telling what Christ has done. It's telling how you came to know what Christ Has done. It is telling someone what Christ has done in you. It's telling someone what Christ is doing in you. And then it's telling someone what Christ has promised to do for you. It's really that simple. It's just coming to declare that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again for the, on the third day because we were such desperate sinners, the God who created us and made us. And they evangelized. The early church was being persecuted in Acts chapter 4. They became fearful, not of God, but of man. And it says, they prayed to the Lord. And this is what they prayed in Acts 4, 29. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And do you know what God did? Verse 31 says, He answered their prayer. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I remember hearing a, I'll call him a Bible teacher evangelist once saying... It's impossible to be filled with the Spirit and not share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where he got it from. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, what do we do? So there's, there's these six things, if you'll put them up on the screen. And I just want to ask you, are you awesome? Is this church awesome? Is the preaching Awesome. Is the worship leading awesome? Is our prayer time awesome? And the reality is that we know that we got a lot of surrendering to do to the Lord. And I want to propose to you that if we're not fruitful, it's because the other five aren't where they ought to be. Because the fruitfulness comes by the church being A church filled with the awe of God. A church that's centered around the things that God says we ought to be centered around. You plant a fig tree. You keep it healthy. You water it. The sun shines on it. What's it going to do? Produce figs. You have a bunch of sheep. You keep them healthy. What are sheep going to do? They're going to produce sheep. And you see, we need to ask the Lord, do I need to adjust? And I guess probably we could all say that, don't we? But you know what? If you're not in Christ, you can't know any of this. There is only one destination that is left for you apart from Christ. And that's a Christless eternity. And so there is a plea to come to Christ, to trust in the Lord that loves us with an everlasting love. And to know that we, his church, if we're not awesome like we should be, he says, repent and obey. And you and I come back in line as we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we truly can say, man, I go to an awesome church who has an awesome God, who has an awesome worship, Who has awesome pews. Who has awesome everything. Because it's got its act together. Centered around the things of God. Would you join me in a closing prayer? Oh Father, you are the awesome one. Lord, there is nothing about us that makes us shine. Lord, there's not, a, there's not an enticement, there's not a sparkle, there's not a, there's not a flame, there's not a light, except Christ. Lord, you said uh, we are, we're not to be like a, a light that's set under a bushel, but one that's set on top of a hill. Well, you are the light of the world, and, and we know that we are only the light of the world when Christ is the fire. Father, we need renewal, we need restoration, we need revival, we need repentance, we need renewed obedience to you. We need to understand that the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ is absolute. And that, Lord, we need to walk with you As this early church did, Lord, they were not great because of their numbers, they were great because of their God. And Lord, help us to respond in like manner, that we might turn to the living God, knowing that the living Word will make us a living church that will be fruitful for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation where we are inviting you, if you've not come to Christ, that today would be your day of being born again of the Spirit of God. So as we stand together, let's sing together a song of encouragement toward Christ.